I want to thank some folks. Uh, this is the third time this summer I've been allowed to uh, speak, share. I uh, thank Pastor D and Pastor Mike for trusting me with you and uh, the Word. Also, uh, want to thank my granddaughter who happens to be here tonight for all the work she does to prepare the electronics so Craig and others can uh, put this together uh, for the notes and all. <clears throat> Just uh, thank God for, it's an honor and a privilege to to be here and it's not anything I have done other than the grace of God that allows that to happen. Um, Tonight, we're going to look at uh, several things, but um, the main thing is, have you ever talked about, well, someday we're going to do this, and someday we're going to do that, and someday, and someday doesn't always come. Um, and, uh, and then we get into being a Christian, and well, someday Jesus is coming, and someday there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and someday, and we've heard that. All of our lives, if we've been around the church much, uh, or been reading our Bible much, and yet uh, there's some things going on in our world today that would make you at least pay attention a little more to someday looks like it's now, uh, that things are picking up speed in the in the realm of prophecy and the realm of coming into fruition for the end times. And that we don't have to be afraid of that. And hopefully we're um, maybe more sensitive to witnessing and sharing because of it. And it's unbelievable that in this time there's opportunities to witness that you are surprised at. People have questions. They, they see what's going on, but they don't want to talk about it. Or they see what's going on, and they don't want to face it. But at the same time, they have questions. And it gives you an opportunity to share Jesus. And whether they receive that or not, it still gives you an opportunity. So there are lots of opportunities just because of the times we live in and what's going on in our world. But uh, we're going to look at uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, the verse, first seven verses. We're going to look at some other scripture before we're done tonight, but this is the main one to start us off. And it has to do with difficult times, perilous times. Um, I'm just going to read through the first seven verses. But know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of selves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Franklin Graham said the other day, uh, 
our world is changing, our country, and this is a quote, he said, I love our country, but it's in a downward spiral morally, spiritually, economically, politically. We're in a free fall. And then he asked the question, why is that? And his bottom line answer is, because we've turned our back on God and God's Word. The foundation of life is God's Word. He spoke and things happened. He spoke and everything came to be. God's Word is what we need, and uh, without it, the perilous times will overwhelm even some that go to church. In your uh, notes, the point number one then was perilous, dangerous, hazardous times will come. Point number two, things you never thought you would see. And I'm going to read uh, an article. I'm going to read some other things too besides the scriptures, but this is uh, put out by... uh, Olive Tree Ministries, some of you may have heard of this. You may even get this right up. But uh, I'm back to saying that I never thought I'd see the day, and you fill in the blank. The list goes on and on. You know, you have a mental list as well. As a young adult, I could not have imagined the Western world celebrating every aberration imaginable. Now, we are told... Men can have babies. Little children are being mutilated as they supposedly change genders. America just celebrated Pride Month, and we should have been using it as a time to repent of our depravity. I didn't think I would see the day when most politicians would have their own agenda that will benefit them at the expense of the country, and that the majority prefer complete government control and care less about the will of the people or about freedom and about liberty. Have you heard these things? We just read them in the Scripture, but this is today. Could you ever imagine artificial intelligence surpassing human intelligence in a few years? Could this be like the aberrations in the days of Noah, but upgraded thanks to technology? I knew America had to decline to make way for global global government, but I could never have imagined that I would be able to see her ignominious implosion. Should the Lord tarry, the country could never survive her obscene debt and greedy corruption that your children will pay for. I personally doubt that the Lord will tarry. He has been getting weary of this planet and plans to finish the eternal work soon. (laughs) I never thought I would see the day when a U.S. president would be a laughingstock of the world. What are those around Mr. Biden thinking as a leader of the free world stumbles in every sense of the word? What kind of corruption even allowed this to happen? Wouldn't those who care about him want to put a stop to this? I could not have fathomed that the globalists would introduce starvation 
on much of the world and intentionally put farmers out of business to save the earth or engineer the climate. What kind What kind of lunacy is this? Perhaps this is a part of the end-time strong delusion. The sad fact is we are literally worshiping the creation rather than the Creator, as the Bible says in Romans 1.25. I never thought I'd see the day when lockdowns would become a part of normal society. First, it was the COVID lockdowns. Now I'm hearing that they're about to have climate lockdowns. And I guess the mantra is, you'll go nowhere and you'll be happy. Who gave these nutty globalists the authority to ruin lives? Why are so few pushing back? I didn't think I would experience such dynamic times, all predicted by the Bible. Yet only a small percentage of churches will talk about this. And while many thankfully teach the Bible, they will not inform their people about the issues of the day that are earth-shaking. As a result, people cannot understand the times, as did the sons of Issachar in Chronicles 12, 1 Chronicles 12. Could you imagine a time when a certain political party saw faith as an unfortunate feature of a backward society? It is faith in God that's the bedrock of every successful society. Well, she could go on and on and on. Uh, this is Jan Markell. And uh, it just is a, a flavor of where we're at. It lines up with what we read here in, in Timothy. And, uh, of course, that was, what, 2,000 years ago, almost. Um, things you never thought you would see. There's certainly things I never thought I would see. Even reading Revelation, you know it's coming. Someday it's coming. Someday. And all of a sudden, here it is on television. Here it is on the news. Wow. Stuff is taking us by storm, and sometimes we're asleep in the mix, and we need to wake up and be about the Lord's business. Well, I'm too busy. You know, and God, before you come, I have things I want to do, I got plans. Um, yeah. Well, we still plan. We still occupy as he, till he comes. But our focus might be changing, redirected to serving the Lord more, concentrating on him more. Um, one of the things I was struck by, one word, you like to do word studies. These passages are, are really fun to... Uh, Take all of those words, the things that he said was happening and how people were and how they're acting. Just look up one of those at a time and study that word. One that stood out to me was the word haughty, haughty in the list. I thought, okay, I don't really remember the definition of haughty. I remember the definition of naughty, but not haughty. And uh, so I looked it up. Webster's wonderful dictionary a person who's haughty has a high opinion of their self mixed in with a little contempt for others. That's called arrogance. Haughty. That's, that's, people are going to be this way and all the other things he listed, they are this way and uh, 
they have such a high opinion of the self that they got to take selfies. Everything's a selfie. What's that all about? Self. Okay. Uh, point number four. Uh, William Booth was uh, born in 1829. He died in 1912. He and his wife founded the Salvation Army. And uh, back in that day, in the early 19th century, he was asked before he died, what were the dangers that were going to confront the new century that's coming? Basically, now that he's in the 19th, what's going to happen in the 20th century? He said this, here are the things that are be, be dangerous. Religion without the Holy Spirit or a Holy Ghost. You don't know how to hear that term anymore either. Christianity without Christ. Forgiveness without repentance. Seeker-friendly churches. Just come as you are and stay as you are. Salvation without regeneration. Well, we're saved, but we didn't do the 180-degree turn and go away from our sin. We just stayed there and, well, we, we think we're saved, uh, but there's no regeneration. There's no even accountability. There's no even sorrow for sin. I just believe there's Jesus. I believe there's God. I, I must be okay. Politics without God and heaven without hell. People who are not sure about heaven are real sure that there's no hell. If they really believe there's a heaven, they would probably believe there's a hell. Number five in our list. So how do we respond? How do people respond to this, this going on and this knowledge and all the things that are happening in our world and the way people are living? How do they respond? Well, they try to find peace with pills. They try to eat to ecstasy. They try drinking to drunkenness. Try smoking to settle their nerves. And they smoke all kinds of things now. Mushrooms. I don't know what all. Long list. To settle the nerves. And then just fill in the blank. People try this to accomplish this. We try all this stuff. That's our answer. We just keep trying other things. And we're empty. We're never satisfied. None of those things fill the void until we find Christ. It's not Jesus finding us. It's us finding Him, too. Sometimes He stands at the door and knocks. We turn down the sound so we don't hear it. We ignore it. He is knocking at our door daily. His Holy Spirit is knocking at our heart's door daily. I want more of you. I want all of you. I want total surrender. Now, I'm going to read another passage of Scripture, and this comes into this point number six, uh, the strong delusion. And uh, I... Uh, 
I want to read out of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This will sound very similar to what we read in Timothy. Brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, I don't think these are in, this is extra. So, um, concerning our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, they were looking forward to Christ coming back. And there was some confusion as to when it happens or when it did happen or if it happened and they missed it or whatever. And he says, Do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by the word or by letter, as it was from us, as if the day of Christ had come. So, no, it hasn't come. He hasn't come back yet. You're, you're not, not mixed up here. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is the Antichrist. That hasn't happened yet. It someday is going to happen. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is the restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, Any question there? Is lawlessness at work in our world? The Antichrist is called the man of lawlessness in Scripture. Look around the world. Been to Paris lately? Been to France lately? Are you reading, hearing what's going on in our world? Only he now remains, restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So something's restraining this from really happening worldwide and full-blown yet. So the Holy Spirit's still here. He's still restraining for the sake of humanity to be saved. God loves everybody. He wants everybody saved. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. Yes, Praise God. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Are we being prepared for lying wonders? Anybody hearing any lies today? Does anybody want to hear the truth anymore? The love of the truth. Wow, they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That's a dark passage. There's a lot of ugliness there. And God is saying, okay, this is the way you want it. Have at it. I'm going to send a delusion. You won't, you'll just believe lies. Every lie you hear, it's going to sound like the truth to you. We've come a long way to go the wrong way already in this world. I would love to be more optimistic that some of this would be just done away with and God would clean it up and we'd go back to having our wonderful world and a wonderful Oregon and a wonderful nation, blah, 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 blah. But it's not looking like that might happen. 
Jesus is our only hope. He's the only hope for this country, this world, this planet. He has been the only help, and he's going to be the only hope. But we're going to be dealing with a lot more junk, I think, before he comes and cleans it up. So, in looking at this strong delusion, um, I wanted to uh, read a, a thing here. Why is God going to send a strong delusion in the end times? I mean, that doesn't sound fair. And so often, we, as we read the Bible, you know, he hardened Pharaoh's heart. God did this and did that. And, well, why is he doing that? Why is God doing that? Well, why would he then, in our time, send a strong delusion? We are seeing it, at least in part today, there is a strong delusion. People are refusing the truth in every aspect and believing lies every day that are fed to them across the news waves. The Bible makes it clear why God is sending a strong delusion in the end times. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Who is the truth? Who is the truth? Yes, Jesus Christ is the truth. And when it boils down to it, He's the only truth. And when it boils down to that, people reject Christ, therefore they're rejecting the truth, and God says, that's why I'm standing a strong delusion. They refused to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness. That's what we just read in, in uh, Second Thessalonians here. Simply put, God sends a strong delusion to those who choose not to believe the gospel of Christ, those who take delight in mocking and rejecting Him. He will condemn. There will be an accountability. We, we have to answer for what we believe or don't believe. It's a person's choice whether to accept or believe the truth of Jesus Christ as presented in the Scriptures. To receive the truth and the love of God offers is in keeping with the teachings. This is love for God to obey His commandments. I, I heard it said the other day, God is love. Yep. And so, therefore, we shouldn't say the anything about sin or condemnation or hell or any of that stuff, because God is love. Well, that's true. But love is not God. And we've, we've reversed that. Instead of saying God is love, we're now saying, well, love is God. It's the big thing, not God. You, you follow what I'm saying here? I've had somebody uh, who's in ministry say to me, well, you, you need to love uh, this person and this person. And he had a whole list of all the people I should love. And we should love everybody. But that doesn't mean we condone what they're doing. We don't condone sin just because we love somebody. 
when it came to parenting, it used to be called tough love. You love, but you still expect something. You have expectations. And if those expectations aren't met, there's accountability. God is that way. He's a big parent. He loves us so much that He will discipline us. He loves us so much that He will bring us against the wall so that we have to acknowledge Him. He does all kinds of things to turn us around, and sometimes we fight it, argue with Him, and don't submit, don't surrender. When one knows the truth and refuses to obey, he is the subject of he is subject to any lie. Once you start disobeying God or ignoring him, you become susceptible to lies, to deception, any untruth that humanity can conjure up. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him nor gave thanks to him. In their thinking they became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. That's out of Romans chapter 1. Paul goes on in the next few verses in Romans to set the, describe the mindset and behaviors of those who disbelieve. As a result of human foolishness and arrogant disdain of the things of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not be done. Any of you seen the movie Sound of Freedom yet? If that isn't a, a, an example of what ought not to be done, that's what's happening in our world. The sex slave of children. It's, it's just awful. And it's bigger than we want to admit or even look at. But that's what he's talking about. The kinds of stuff that go on that ought not be done. And correspondingly, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death... They not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. You see that happening in the streets of our country. Isaiah put it succinctly, They have chosen their own ways, their souls delight in their abominations. So God also will choose harsh treatment for them and bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight, and they chose to displease me. The simplest way to live your Christian life is to, every day, God, good morning, help me please you today. Help me please you in what I think, please you in what I say, please you in what I do. Help me please you. God, you're my heavenly Father. I want to please you. It may not always be easy, and the enemy comes roaring in, into thinking, why did I think that? Or, why did I say that? Or, why did I, you know? We have to battle every day. God, I want to please you. I want to please you. Not displease you. When people know the truth and they refuse to receive it, they refuse to obey it, and then hold on in unrighteousness, they will be condemned for enjoying evil rather than believing the truth. That's what you found in Second Thessalonians here. God is love. He is not some cruel monster who deliberately and inwardly delights in preparing people for everlasting condemnation. 
But he earnestly and lovingly proclaims the gospel of Christ, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 2 Peter 3 through 9. Throughout the scriptures, God urges people to accept the truth. But when people reject him and spurn his message, then and not until then, God hardens them and turns them over to a deluded mind to wallow in their wickedness to their eternal damnation. This is what the Lord says about those who choose to reject the truth. They greatly love to wander. They do not restrain their feet. So the Lord does not accept them. He will now remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. That's out of Jeremiah 14.10. I heard this statement from... uh, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and share this statement. Anyway, this was from John MacArthur. Biblical truth to this generation is odious, if not obscene, in their culture of lying people, people trapped in deception. Basically, they are lovers of lies. Divine truth, when it comes to them, it appears to be narrow. It appears to them to be arrogant and intolerant and unloving and judgmental, exclusive and offensive, nothing but some kind of bondage. Isn't that amazing? That's exactly the opposite of what it is. Divine truth is freedom, liberty. But this is, you're hearing a statement here that is absolutely the truth in our day. I'm going to repeat that part. When it comes to these folks who are stuck in these lies and deception, The truth, the divine truth of God's Word and Christ, it appears to be narrow. Well, that's narrow. It appears to be arrogant, intolerant, unloving, judgmental, exclusive, offering nothing but some kind of bondage. You're in bondage if you're a Christian because you believe this Bible. You're just trapped. It's almost as bad as a cult. What's the matter with you? The world is bigger than that. It's a happier place than that. Oh, my. Okay. The truth, though, gives us strength. It edifies us. It confronts us. It, conf- it encourages us. By the truth, we are saved from hell. By the truth, we are sanctified for the purposes of God. That's what the truth does for us. And it's all positive. All of it. You can't live a more positive life than the one in Christ. Now, let's see. We want to take a look at a Hindu proverb, um, of all things. And uh, so, let me show you how strongly deluded we are. This was posted by a pastor to, to tell us there's more than one way to heaven. You see, non-believers hate the fact that we say, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's way exclusive. That's way not right. Well, the world comes up with answers, but this is an old Hindu proverb. There are hundreds of paths up the mountain, 
all leading to the same place. So it doesn't matter which path you take. The only person wasting their time is the one who's running around the mountain telling everyone that his or her path is wrong. Now see, that sounds good. That sounds right. That, that person running around shouldn't be telling everybody they're wrong. Only if he's trying to save them from hell. It's amazing how deluded our thinking can be. And we've been hearing this for a long time now. There's all kinds of ways to God. And there's all kinds of religions. You know, Satan works overtime to wreck Christianity, to wreck the living God. He wastes no time on the other cults, the dead gods. He has nothing to need to worry about them. They're dead. God, our Father, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is living, and he is an absolute enemy of Satan. Satan wants to destroy him, undo him, any way he can. (coughs) Another person uh, named James Cook said this. He, he He wanted to add 11th commandment. Thou shalt be tolerant of all paths that lead to God. First of all, it's a very dangerous thing to do, add to the Scriptures. But uh, to think that arrogant enough that you could do that, um, it's just sick, sick, sick. The other part is uh, what's going on in the UN, they have an Agenda 21. And... This goes along with our delusion, our desensitivity. We've been desensitized. Um, So they want to change the economic system of the world to collectivism. No independence. All humans dependent on the government. No one living in the country, because anybody out in the country is going to be a threat to collectivism. Anybody that's able to work on their own, do on their own, survive on their own, that's a threat to collectivism. This is happening right now. This is a UN Agenda 21. You can look it up. Added to that is the World Health Organization is trying to take our sovereignty from not only the United States, but from all nations, so that when they say we have a pandemic, the whole world shuts down. When they say, you see what I mean? They want the sovereignty of all nations, and they want us to sign in And believe it or not, we are, as a nation, signing up for that very thing. Our lives are going to change big time if all this goes through. Mark my word, there's going to be some, well, they're already forming in some countries 15-minute cities. Have you heard of that? 15-minute cities. You, You don't go anywhere further than 15 minutes. You stay in that area that's it. That's your world. Everything will be there for you. All the needs that you have as a human being. Fifteen minutes. We're going to put you in these high rises and this whole city area. That's where we're going to want everybody. It's all about control. That's happening today. Our sovereignty, our liberty, everything. And taking away all the God-given rights of it what God has established in this country. And then I had a surprise, surprise. I looked online. Um, 
I thought, every once in a while, I'll Google something just for fun. And so I thought, Google, tell me where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right away, John 14.6 came right up. Here's the quote of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Then the little voice read it, quoted it, and then added this. Christians are criticized for saying Jesus is the only way to God. After all, there are billions of non-Christians in the world. I about fell out of my chair. And you know what? I went back time and again to try and find that again, and it didn't come up. There's some stuff going on that's trying to delude us, desensitize us to God's Word, His truth. Yeah. Well, I got about six minutes, and I'm going to finish with... Um, there's, there's help for today, um, and uh, let me get that... Uh, where on your on your brochure or your paper, I mean, um, number eight, point A, where a poor man has a chance, B, where a sick man can get well, C, is somewhere there. C, where an ignorant man can become wise. D, where a bad man can become good. E, where a good man can become better. And F, where even a dead man can live. It's in Jesus Christ. There is hope. You know, the beautiful part of God, He said, I do offer you eternal life. Don't lose sight of that in your temporal world, and no matter what happens in this temporal world, keep your eye on the prize, on what really is coming. Even if they kill us, that doesn't go away, because we don't really die. We just move on. God is good. He loves us. He has a plan, and He's going to work His plan. Um, and I, I end with this part. Uh, Jesus not only said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, but he said, I'm the gate. And the gate, he said, is narrow. Well, so they were right about this being narrow. Us Christians are narrow-minded, and we're narrow in our vision of what can happen and who can do what and where. But Jesus said, For wide is the gate and broad the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. But because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, there are few who find it. Determine right now to be one of the few who find it. You must determine right now to be one of the few that find it. Don't get sucked up in our world of wide broad, it leads to destruction. But be into the narrow path of Jesus Christ.
He is the gate. And there isn't any other gate to go through that's going to lead to heaven. Living his way may not be popular or easy, but it's true and right. Heavenly Father, you are so good to us. Your word is dynamic, living, because you are living. Your word is true, because you are true. Your word is life, because you are life. We are desperate for more of you. God, help us to please you the rest of this day, the rest of this week, and dare say, the rest of our lives. No matter what the enemy throws at us, no matter what you allow to happen in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our country, in our world, no matter what, you are God. You are sovereign. We don't need to fear man, for what can man do to us? We need to fear God, because he loves us so much that Christ died for us. In Jesus' name.